and welcome back to the Film Reel cast. We are back with another episode. We had our discussion podcast last week. I hope you enjoyed that. And now we have a film, the long-awaited 2014 musical thriller drama, Whiplash. And here to join me to talk about that, as usual, is Neil. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. I, I have to say I enjoyed our discussion podcasts, whether anyone else did is well, uh, to be seen but I certainly enjoyed it it was really good yeah I really enjoyed it and I'm really pleased to say for the first time making his debut on the film Realcast podcast is Steve how are you doing mate hey. I'm good mate how are you <laughs> really good it's great to have you on what, what kind of like problems are you going through that you wanted to join us idiots on this podcast <laughs> a, a lot of problems I've got all of the problems <laughs> great to have you on here mate so uh it is really really good so this week we're gonna do the just have a look at because on our discussion podcast last week we spoke about we moaned a lot to be honest as we usually do about the prices increase and everything on like the bills utilities and on all the streaming services and funnily enough i got an email and i'm sure everyone else did who's got amazon prime yeah that we're going to get totally spanked on that as well. And it's gone up about 16 quid a year and a quid a month. And it's just, for me, I'm just getting really pissed off with all of these price hikes. And I, apart from, as you said last time, Neil, on a couple of podcasts back, that the boys is one of the best things to come out of Amazon. I, I don't know how they can justify an increase of that much. I, I truly don't think they can. And it was funny in the email, they said that they've improved all their services and given us so much more. And I'm thinking, where? Because I can't see that. And my instant reaction was cancelled. So as soon as my year's up, it's not being renewed. Okay, now what about you, Steve? Have you got Prime? Yeah, I mean, I've got Prime for the next day delivery kind of stuff. Yeah. And... Yeah, I've started watching The Boys. I mean, my girlfriend, I showed my girlfriend the uh, the shaft incident from uh, Series 3. <laughs> so she really wanted to get into it, so we're watching it through at the moment. But other than that, I can't honestly say that there's anything on Prime that makes me want to really keep it. Completely no, agreed. Yeah, exactly. The best things on Prime that I've been addicted to is Invincible yeah. and The Boys. Oh, what about but, Invincible? Uh, but apart from that, I mean... I don't know if you know. I mean, if if you've bought any films on Prime, do you lose the power to watch those films that you've bought or or not? I'd imagine so. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you haven't got it, have you? So it's gone. That's so fucking cheeky, isn't it? It really is. It's like Apple. I suppose when you buy into Apple, if you buy all of those albums, then an Apple spank you with money. Yeah. They've kind of got you by the nuts. It's so bad, isn't it? That's the thing with digital media, though, isn't it? It's the same if you buy films on Sky, and then you don't you cancel Sky, it's gone. That's yeah. the, that's the problem when you don't have something tangible in your hand, isn't it? Yeah, I can see it being the day in a couple of years where all I'm doing is watching a freeview box with all that utter shit that's on there, and it'll be a fucking sad day, honestly. It will be, but you've always got the cinema, Stu. So never forget well, that. Yeah, that's one thing I definitely have got. But um, we're going to start by watching. And we spoke about the different phases of the MCU last week. Uh, and we did that 
without the hindsight of the releases of what's actually going to happen and what to expect. And it was really good timing. We didn't plan it because we don't plan anything. Um, <laughs> of it looked pretty to me personally. It looked pretty wank. The what was being released, and I couldn't really see the point of it. I didn't know where it was going, any direction. But now, of what's been said, I do feel quite optimistic. I don't know where you guys stand. Well, I don't know. It's just so much going on now, isn't there? So much going on. Uh, it's you. It's everywhere. It's on. It's in the cinema. It's on Disney Plus. You really have to be on the ball, keeping up with everything, to yeah. stay in line with the story. And like we were saying the other day, I'm finally nearing the end of Miss Marvel to kind of catch up. But I don't. Is it too much now? Mm. Is, is I was diff- literally going to say that to you. Do you think it's too much? It's just, yes. Yeah. I think it's hard. It. And we spoke about when we did all of, if you look at um, the other series that we've done uh, that came out early, like One Division and Falcon and Winter Soldier, we speak about this in detail as well. But I find now this is out, it's like, fuck, I have to now do my homework to work out who these people are. And that takes some of the enjoyment away but that's just me I, I need to know who they are and there's a lot of reveals um through the black panther 2 uh, wakanda forever trailer of, of people i just didn't know and links to characters who's in the um in the next phase that i'd never heard of right so but i am excited about it and i finished miss marvel today and I, I, would I watch it ever again? No, I wouldn't. Am I glad I watched it? Yes, I am. But it's a lot of fucking homework that you need to do now. And I think that takes enjoyment away to a certain degree. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. I suppose the the massive fan of Marvel will know who these characters are. And there are some people that just enjoy watching them and they don't really care about it. They just hope it's a good action film, don't they? But it's like you said it does feel like just an awful lot of work especially if it's everywhere like steve was saying it's on disney it's here it's there it's like you know sometimes we just need a breather to catch up and appreciate what we've watched rather than not being able to think about that and instantly onto the next thing or trying to watch three things at once it's it's saturated it's saturated for me yeah it's it's hard going but i mean it looks like now the tie-in for Miss Marvel is for the Marvels, which will be pretty good. We know about, obviously, Loki. Um, Agatha yeah. Harkness, we know about her. I really enjoyed her character. Daredevil apparently is going to be an 18-episode. I love Daredevil, and I think they're going to bring the Punisher back as well, from what I've heard. Loki, Echo, I mean, they're bringing um, Vincent... Um, Donatio back, so which is good, which means he obviously didn't die in the last um, uh, Falcon, not Falcon, Winter Soldier, um, Hawkeye. No, he didn't. No, so killed him off. There's no, 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 completely. And Ironheart links to uh, Black Panther now. So uh, Ironheart is a, a female character from who's virtually a female version of Tony Stark, and in the comics. She built a suit and got the blessing from Tony Stark to build that suit. Um, and she's basically exactly the same character as Iron Man. So 
there's a bit more information there and I think it looks pretty promising it, it really does but there's things on there like the about the Nova core and things like that that I don't know I'm got no idea and Spider-Man Sinister Six I don't really know the Sinister Six people but I know apparently Doctor Doom is meant to be a massive driver as a quite a a, a big baddie in this isn't he is he in Whiplash yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in Whiplash yeah apparently so that would be interesting that. That. <laughs> what I've heard, I mean again it's just rumours I've heard that he's kind of um, are we talking about Wakanda Forever Yes. Yeah, I've heard that he's going to be kind of pulling the strings and mm. like kind of manipulating the two nations, as it were, to kind of have a bit of a bit of a an altercation, shall we say? Yes. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well, and it links in to the Avengers um, films that he plays a part there. So I just imagine he'll appear in various post credits uh, at some point. But I mean, I don't really know. Um, I mean, we can get. Should we get? We'll talk about the the Black Panther trailer. Should we get into that one and just play that one, and then we can just talk as we uh, we go through there? Because I mean, you've got the character Nara. I've never heard of Nara before. Obviously, from Atlantis, it, it means nothing to me. But I do like the start of this, and this really does celebrate and i'm going to sound horrible here and people are going to listen to this and think i'm a complete bastard i, I they really will but i, I don't it's obviously sad chasmic boseman died awful and he went through that um illness through black panther didn't tell anyone and it's terrible anyone who has to go through that is awful but i don't quite get why people watch this and they cry do you um I, don't, I think you can tell they've really tried to highlight that it's going to be a massive farewell to him as a character and as a person. But yeah, I, I think you need to separate the character and the actor to kind of continue with the story. Yeah. Mm. So I know they're playing the really sad, slow music, but I think it takes away from the story a little bit because everyone's so focused on oh, how are they going to replace Black Panther? Who's going to take over the mantle this that and the other when actually you've got all these characters coming about and you it, it kind of takes a shine away from them in my opinion yeah yeah what, what do you think neil i mean i mean you're kind of say it as it is man you know what i mean <laughs> i mean yeah i kind of i kind of agree in the sense of you know you're there for the character and it is so sad that he passed away and, and everything that you said but ultimately you can still say thank you and we miss you without sort of making it about him so to speak and I know, and that does sound horrible but you know you've seen it in numerous films you know where they've just sort of done something at the end or what have you to sort of say this was for you or whatever I don't know I mean it's nice that they're doing it of course it is and it's lovely that he was that he was that loved but if it takes away from the actual film and you are, like Steve said, just thinking about him and it's taken away from other people, there is potential it might damage the story. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I do like the music and it's a lovely celebration of his life. Um, but it's 
it's a film end of the day and it's just fantasy it's escapism and i don't want to obviously anyone would naturally think about him because he was such a great character but that's it i i can focus on the film easily enough without being a complete bastard you know what i mean it's i'm here to to see that shuri become black panther and what's going to happen with um, angela bassett's character and nara and just things like that all these characters i've never heard of before i mean you've got the underwater birth scene with him coming out and you can see that he's going to be at some point attacking uh people of wakanda and it gets flooded so it'll be interesting to see how that happens and then you've got that mining rig looks like the oil rig there and that gets attacked and it looks like the people from wakanda are the ones getting attacked there i, I don't quite know what's happening there and who are the ones attacking i mean it leaves it open to which side of the fence it's on really but again you see that the one person who's in orange there is the character who's going to be Ironheart so you've got these early links to to the rest of the universe but I think it's going to be Shuri who's going to be the one coming out at the end of it when you see the person with the uh, Black Panther uniform on it's it's interesting this trailer isn't it because it shows you a lot but it leaves you asking a lot because we've said it many times, haven't we, about trailers that you often just end up seeing the film in the trailer mm. and the rest of it just feels like filler. But this just has lots of it's actually a really good trailer because it actually it has so many questions. It like does. You just, yeah. You literally just said how many questions in that sort of sentence. So it makes you want to watch it. It and does. And see I like where it's going to go. And Angela Bassett, when she says, I've not given any, everything um, that she's lost everything that it kind of makes you wonder. We know, obviously, um, Chadwick Boseman's gone, but does that mean that Shuri's gone? Is something going to happen to her? The husband's obviously died. So it, it does ask those questions, and I do like the callbacks from when you get Ironheart building her outfit, which is exactly the same as when Tony Stark was building his outfit in the cave. I, I love those callbacks into this film. I think that looks really good. And the Toro Alaja as well. I can't wait to see them kick ass. They're great. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good. You know, I think they will do it justice and hopefully it'll be, it'll be a fantastic sort of carry on to the story and we'll open up the MCU a bit more. I have to just be honest with the MCU. I think I'm at the point where I'm just going to, I'm so saturated with it and I know I'm sounding like a miserable git, but that's who I am. I will probably just pick the characters I want to watch and the films I want to watch and I'll just watch the other ones later when I can and I've got the time. Because yeah. it's just too much. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Does this excite you, Steve, or are you kind of in the same position as Neil about being saturated with it and just take it or leave it? Uh, I'm probably leaning towards how Neil's feeling. I mean, I followed the how many films have we done now? Like 23 or something. Oh, God, honestly, oh, I mean, honestly don't know. I've lost count. There's so many. So many mid like launches and scenes. So many films over and over and. I saw Endgame God knows how many times in the cinema. And yeah. once the kind of combination of Endgame, you you make those sacrifices and it was such a big like part of cinema to be like to be sat there and you hear everyone cheering for moments of it. And then it carries on and you're like, mm. all those all those moments built up to almost nothing now because it's just kept on going and it just doesn't seem to, 
So I'm getting a bit, yeah, like, oh, here's, they're just churning out another one and here's another one. And, but yeah, with this, I'm a little bit, I feel like this is different to how I've felt with Thor and Doctor Strange. I'm a little bit excited, but at the same time, I'm still a bit sceptical that it's just going to be another Marvel film that's been churned out because it's just what they do now. It's just a machine that keeps turning. Yeah, well said, it, mate. Well, fun. it is, and it needs to be done. It's, it's just so close to, to I think, kind of getting it right again, and also fucking it up. But I don't like the fact that you need to, especially people on budgets and people who can't afford it and under pressure. Especially in October, bills are going to go up again for those who haven't got um, their kind of. For instance, their electricity on a fixed, their gas on a fixed. It's going to go up ridiculously. And I don't think it's fair that you now have to watch Disney Plus and the cinema as well, because it's costing people an absolute fortune to have to do it, which I honestly don't think is fair and it isn't realistic. I think families should be given a break if they want to release this much content. Yeah. yeah. I think what we forgot with uh, the initial series on Disney Plus is it was at a time when the world was in a pandemic and no one was going out and the cinemas were shut. So we kind of needed something to fill the gap. So we all welcomed Loki and WandaVision and Captain America and the Winter Soldier or whatever it was called. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, sorry. And and it was good. We we needed those because we couldn't go to cinema and get our Marvel fix. But now they're still running along with the films. And you're right, you can't. And some families pay to have subscriptions to disney plus and go to the cinema like once every other month or so to see another story probably not so it's a really difficult position for most people to be in but again they're not really thinking about the average person yeah. they're just getting what they can out well it's, it's disney isn't it it's like well it's like a lot of them but it's you know and let's be fair it's like we said in the discussion as soon as disney got hold of marvel and star wars all they've done is just churn and churn and churn haven't they that's all they've done. They've just chucked more and more stuff out. It's and they don't they don't think about that. They just think about profit. That's all they care about. Mm. But they are going to have some R-rated content as well um, with regards to what they're putting out. So they're not kind of dumbing everything down, which is good. We'll wait and see on that, mate. What what they say is R-rated and what actually is R-rated is two different things, isn't it? We'll wait, yeah. I, I will wait. Sorry, Steve. Sorry. What's the R-rated content? Is that like boobs and stuff, or is that violence? It's violence and like Devil Daredevil boys. things like that. Okay, that's a I, gar- I guarantee that um, that won't Deadpool and that won't be anywhere near as graphic or brutal as it was previously. No, not at all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They'll shoot themselves in the foot, but I don't suppose they'll give a shit because they'll get the money either way, won't they? So, uh, exactly. Exactly. yeah, be paying for it. Well, yeah, we're the fucking fools who pay for it. So. <laughs> Jesus. But um, anyway, on to Whiplash 2014, which is a, a good year, a good year for a good film. This film, I've wanted to do this for ages. Um, and I'm just so pleased we're doing it. It stars Miles Teller, who's flavour of the month at the moment for the amazing Top Gun, where he plays Rooster, J.K. Simmons and Melissa Benoist. Uh, and everyone else. You've got Paul Reiser as well and other people who no one knows or cares about but they're in this film. But this is a great film. <laughs> this really is. It's one of the most underrated films 
I think that's around and been around for a long time. I just think it's such a good film. And it's about a promising drummer who enrolls in a cutthroat music conservatory. I fucked that up last time. Well done. Where his dreams of greatness um, are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realise a student's potential. That is very, very brief of what J.K. Simmons is all about. But I mean, we have a musician with us on the pod. Steve, you I've heard you play, mate. You are really, really good. You are very accomplished. So was this a film that you'd seen before and excites you to do? So... This film actually probably changed how I approached cinema quite a long time ago. Um, I remember it winning a fair few awards and my mate convinced me to go watch it. I was Cause it's not like your typical action movie that I was into. So he's like, look, just give it a shot. And ever since then, it's been, it's in my top 10 without a doubt. I love it. I can't fault it for anything. It's just no. so well, like put together and every aspect of it is just, it is really gripping for what it is. It's a really, if you think about it, it's such a basic idea, but it is so well done. Yeah, it is. And it's another Blumhouse absolute marvel where it costs 3.3 million. It made just under 50 million, which Blumhouse seemed to turn out. And it's weird because when I say to people, oh, watch Whiplash, watch it, watch it. It's on Netflix now. Watch it. What's it about? It's about a drummer. And it, you kind of like, <laughs> people look at me as if like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah, unless you sit and explain it and give the story away, it's it's really hard. But this film, the more you watch it, and I, I watched it again today, and I watched it a couple of times last week, so it wasn't going to do it. And you just pick different bits up. And it's just so clever. It's so well written, isn't it? It's it, for something I'd never heard of, and you said you really wanted to do it. It was, yeah. Once you start watching it, you can't stop watching it. It's yeah. It, the way it's written, like you just said, and the way it's acted and directed, it's just, it's astounding. It's absolutely amazing. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't believe how good this was. And, and it's you're, jazz, you're right. and Whiplash yeah. is the tune they play. And, and again, jazz was something. I, I didn't like. I, I wouldn't listen to because it sounds like everyone playing an instrument to something completely different and just chuck it all together. <laughs> this, when I, mean, I listen to this on um, Spotify, which I'm still grateful for Steve for, and oh shit, yeah, yeah, I pay for that, don't I? You are a legend, and <laughs> I love it. It is so good. The music is just so good, and it's just yeah, I was addicted to it. But I mean. The start of it, you see, and Miles Teller does, did play the drums and he had drum lessons again. And again, uh, J.K. Simmons played the piano. And for this film, he had lessons again. And you start off with Miles Teller, whose character, Andrew Naiman, is just playing the drums. And it's at New York Schaefer Conservatory, which is like the equivalent. Um, it's obviously fictional, but it's the... Um, Juilliard school equivalent of um, it's in that higher standard and we learn that J.K. Simmons' character Terence Fletcher, who is a feared instructor um, is someone who is held in high regard as as much fear by all the students there and he listens to Naaman play and he's obviously got something about him, hasn't he that has just 
picked his ears up, his interest up as as well. And you you don't know what that is until the end of the film, do you guys? No, 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 you don't. But it's great drumming, and it, it sounds really fucking sad because you go, yeah, it's really good drumming, but it's just so clever. It's it's like you play the guitar, Steve, and for somebody who can't play the guitar, to watch someone do it, it to make it look so easy, I, I just think it's a real talent, and I yeah. think it's the same watching um, Miles Teller play the drums. It really is like it's completely different. Um, watch it. I mean, from I'm a qualified musician. I love you know. I've got BTEC music. Um, so <laughs> what, watching it and un- <laughs> thank you, watching Sorry. it and understanding the um, the technicality of it that goes into it is just ridiculous. I mean, I'm not exactly the biggest of jazz fans, but I could listen to this soundtrack on repeat constantly because it's just so so technically ridiculous i can't keep up with like the tempo and the beat it's just it's out of this world and obviously the main part being whiplash where where the name comes from obviously it's such a good piece of music to base the whole film around yeah it just it's about drumming but it's not just drumming it's the technicality and everything that goes with it yeah definitely i think seeing it broken down like you do in this film but deconstructed of all the different instruments, you do appreciate the work that does go into it. What seems like a natural ability that some people have got on a skill, be it drums, guitar or whatever, that the hard work that goes into it, which is just incredible. But yeah, and that kind of it gets magnified throughout this film um, in so many different ways. And it's nice to see, um, I really like in this character, she works at the cinema um, where Miles Teller goes to, Melissa Benoist, that, that she seems like a really innocent, and she plays it so well, a lovely innocent character, doesn't she? Like she does in most films. Yeah, the proper sort of girl next door, isn't she? Lovely, sort of nice girl that just is there, is quite happy, quite yeah. shy, yeah. Yeah, she's really pretty, but girl next door, pretty. Yeah, she's lovely. Nice character as well. And it's yeah. fun to see his instant interest in there when he's at the cinema with his dad. And he sort of looks over his shoulders and he's clearly fancies her, but is too shy. Yeah, I like the relationship that he's got with his dad. That he, Him meeting his dad seems to be a ritual that they've got, which they do quite a lot. Um, mm. and, his, and his dad... Um, is uh, Paul Rise who plays Jim Nyman, and he was in Beverly Hill Cop. That yeah, and uh, he, he's always going to be uh, that guy from Beverly Hill Cop for me. I think he passed away recently as well, didn't he? I think. Oh, did he? Oh, bless yeah, him. I think he may have done. Um, but he's got a really good relationship, and they're very supportive of each other. And you learn that Miles Teller feels that he's an underachiever compared to his brother and other relation, uh, relations that they've got. And do you think that that's put onto him by his dad or is that just the way he feels? I don't know. It comes into it later, doesn't it? But mm. um, I don't know. I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I think that he's probably, I mean, you go into it later, but I think he is made to feel that his path is not as... 
what's the word what am i looking for you know it's not what most kids should do they should be looking to get you know educated in something else and get a proper career air quotation marks if you like yeah yeah it's not the traditional path that you want your kids to take is it and that's what i was trying to say but i couldn't think (laughs) that's all right but and it's interesting when he goes to the music school and he's sitting there with his drums the difference and which i really want to talk about especially one comment that's made which I, i don't understand um of how relaxed this music class is compared to a bit later on in the film I mean, have you ever been to anything like this, Steve, being a musician? Um, yeah, I mean, when I was at college, it was just a really relaxed atmosphere and everyone kind of dicked about and you sat down at other instruments and gave everything a go. So, yeah, it was a real relaxed atmosphere. But then, like, again, you do have the lecturers that would walk in and you, know, you got shit done and you'd shut, shut up pretty quickly. So did you all sit down and you were told what music to play and you just sat and played that music. Essentially. Yeah. Um, you would, you would almost be expected to, again, it's very similar to how the movie is just not as strict and as, as good, but you would be expected to know, like no one's going to wait for you to, to learn it there. And then if you don't know what you're playing, you might as well just get up, leave and never come back. Right. Hmm. So it's quite a lot of pressure then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was considering I started without really knowing how to play an instrument properly, so I had to quickly get my arse in gear and fake it till I made it, but I managed. Got that B-Tech, get in there, come on. I doesn't everyone know about it? Yeah, you've made sure about that, mate, that's for yeah. damn sure. I remember those quotes on a night shift. God, every shift wasn't just them. <laughs> I think that's how he used to introduce, introduce himself, wasn't it? Hi, I'm Steve. I've got B-Tech in music. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have me from the word B-Tech, mate. Honestly, you really did. Yeah, well, you beat us all then, didn't you, anyway? So we might yeah. all sat down. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. And it's after he has his class, he walks through and he looks through the window um, of Terence Fletcher's um, class, which... They all look fucking miserable as sin, don't they? And it's you soon learn why. And he walks through and they make eye contact, which is again is one of the worst things that you can do, which no one wants to happen. And then he goes on to him playing. And it looks so painful. When he's on his own practicing, Miles Teller, it's so quick and busy, it just doesn't look a nice thing to do. It doesn't look enjoyable. No, it hasn't made me want to take up the drums, that's for sure. The mate of funny looks he has on his face from sheer pain. Yeah, it might have been my sex face. <laughs> that's what that's what my missus pointed out. My sex face looks like that, which I can only apologise for. Do you, do you sit on the floor afterwards with your CD player as well and then think about what you've done? <laughs> yeah, because I've been naughty. But yeah, if, if we're recording the noise, it doesn't last very long. I'm surprised she could remember what it looks like, to be honest. <laughs> By the time I turn the lights off and make it to the bed. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm sure everyone on the pod wants to know that. So. <laughs> That's yeah, how the so... game that's lost us a lot of subscribers. 
<laughs> probably has, yeah. Deary me. Damn, we're down to about one now. Minus four, minus five <laughs> subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> but it's when they have their next music class, and it's really weird because they're just playing, and as they're playing whatever they are, that um, Terence Fletcher just there's no knocking on the door. He just barges through the door, interrupts everything. And then points out to uh, Miles Teller, um, come tomorrow, six o'clock in the morning, don't be late. And that's it. And you kind of think, what gives him the God-given right to do that? It's a weird entrance to make, isn't it? That even to his peers, to his other teachers, that he's got that God complex already, hasn't he? He's so yeah, it's, but he does it so well. I mean... He's he's entered my house many times and done that to me, and um, it's quite intimidating when you're sleeping and J.K. Simmons walks into your room. Is that you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the way he walks in, just he starts going around the band, doesn't he? Basically making them perform on cue. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's terrifying, isn't it? Oh, and he, but he does look, he does look good. He looks like he's been doing weights. He looks slim. He, he's dressed in black. He does look really sharp, though. I have to say that. Did you ever see a picture of him in the gym when he was like around the time hey. he was filming this? No. Stacked. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was for this movie or if it was for his up and coming in Batman at the time, but he was. Yeah, yeah proper. Honestly, stacked. unreal. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Look it up, mate. Honestly, I remember it being posted up. And I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, proper, yeah. ridiculous. He looks great, doesn't he? But I he's such like, a good actor in this. He, he is. He's, he's fierce as fuck, isn't he? And he doesn't normal. care who he upsets. It's like when he, as you said, Steve, when he goes through and picks on everyone and asks them to play. And when he says to the girl at the front, Are you sitting in the first chair just because you're the cutest? Let's see. And she starts to play and goes, Yep, just as I suspected. Same spot. Three, four. Okay, all right. Well, you're in the first chair. Let's see if it's just because you're cute. Three, four. Yep, that's why. Drums. He'll <laughs> shoot anyone down. Yeah. Uh, I love that about him because that's the kind of thing I'd do. I just say it as it is. Well, I don't, happy, don't you? I don't think you'd be quite as severe as he is. I don't know. <laughs> I've been known to. <laughs> yeah. Obviously to the right audience. <laughs> well, I, I think quite a few people I know, if they you said it to them, they would have slapped you. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and again, I, I think he was he's only going in there to get Naaman, isn't he? That's all. He's, yeah. I, I don't honestly think he's interested in Anyone else whatsoever? I don't know if I'm wrong on that. What do you think? No, I think he he knows what he wants, doesn't he? He he's he's already like like you said, he caught caught his eye, curiosity. He wants to know what he can do, and so he's just teeing it up, and he's got to make it look a little bit more. I don't know, like he's after just an instrumentalist, but yeah, he knows what he wants. He knows why he's there, and he's after little Naaman. Yeah, and it's and after this again, you see um, Naaman with Melissa Bloomquist, the Benoist character of the cinema, and again they start to get it on. They make more conversation, 
and it's really nice because you really do get a proper full not so much her but miles teller's character andrew Naiman, you get a full arc of how he changes through this and the fallout from that and i think it's a real shame but it's really nice their relationship at the start because despite everything he doesn't seem the most confident character does he in He's chuffed a bit when he actually manages to get a date with her. Well, he's not confident at this time, is he? And he's he's taken him. He's on top of the moon, isn't he? Because he's been asked into um, Fletcher's, you know, his part of the academy, and so he's on top of the world. He said, "Fuck it, I'll ask the girl out as well." You know, and he's on top of the world, isn't he? Yeah. And you, and you do see from this point how you see his character develops, and unfortunately, not always in the best way. So why does What's your? Well, I did a quite a lot of looking on the internet. Um, what's your opinion, Steve? Of why does he say be at the studio um, at six o'clock in the morning when they don't start until nine o'clock? Why is that? Why do you think? Um, maybe because he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I, fuck I, with him, isn't it? I guess yeah. It's, it's got to be a test, hasn't it? Like if you can't, because again another kind of subtle underlying tone of this film is timing like we get into the scene where it's all like you know not my tempo not my tempo it all comes up but i think a lot of it comes down to timing because like he's rushing here again later on in the film there's another rush and there's all the timing of the drums it's just like an underlying tone but you see how fast the rest of the band come in later on they're already they sit down bang on job done so yeah, I, I just think it's, like Neil said, to fuck with him a bit and a bit of a test, really. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. It, it's a, a power trip, isn't it? I think that yeah. I'll tell you to be there and if we, we're not there, if you're still here, then good for you. But and, it, and it's just really strange because they're all chatting and they're all getting their instruments ready, tuning them. And why? I mean, the C-bomb is dropped, which I had to, when I first heard it i had to play it back to think did i hear that right why on earth does someone shout out milk the see you next tuesday as a cue for everyone to get ready because the lesson's about to start no idea news to me it's so weird i just don't get it i've tried finding that on the internet and i come up with various things which are nothing to do with this film <laughs> <laughs> You surprise me. <laughs> I bet you spent a very long time researching this, didn't you? I did. I waited till everyone went out of the house and did some research. <laughs> For all three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was long. Yeah, I've got slow broadband. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really weird thing to shout out. And I just, of all the things, rather than get ready or anything like that, he shouts out, milk to see you next Tuesday, and that's your cue to go. It's just strange. But strange. in yeah, in, in walks J.K. Simmons. I mean, Jesus, he chest puffed out. This is he's the god in this room, and he's kind of judge and executioner, and everyone is terrified of him, and you get that. No one really makes eye contact. They're looking at the ground, and it's fucking messed up, isn't it? He rules with an iron fist, doesn't he? He doesn't take any prisoners. As this film goes on, you realise in what way he's doing it. 
and it's but yeah, fucking hell. Oh, could you imagine being in that situation where you, every day you come in to do something you love and you're petrified? It's awful. It must be horrible. Because this is meant to be the best set of musicians, the best college, the best musicians in the country, jazz musicians, and the studio band. And you've got no alternative. If you want to make it and want that recognition, you need to be in this room. But it's brilliant the way they pan across um, all of the sections and they're all looking at the floor. Grown men who look terrified. It's a terrible situation to be in. And he laps it up. J.K. Simmons fucking loves it. He's the happiest person in the room. Feeds on it, doesn't he? He feeds yeah. on it. What would you do, Steve? Having, I, I believe you might have a B-Tech. I don't know if you mentioned it. <laughs> but if you were in his situation to play the guitar, what would you do if you were in that when you were learning? Uh, you know, I'm not the most um, well-behaved of people. I'd probably get chucked out within minutes. But I think, again, like I said earlier, when I was when I first started out and I was nestled amongst all these people that have been playing instruments for years I, I literally fucking just kept my head down i just honestly like you again like straight away he calls neiman aside basically highlights to the rest of the the band that he's the new kid referring to him as cute and you just sit there and you're like yeah okay right do whatever you want i'm not gonna back chat or anything and that's very much how i felt for the first year or so um yeah i'd sit there and wouldn't wouldn't even make a noise do you think this environment of terror, which you can only describe it in that way, do you believe that this is making them better musicians or not? Forget um, about the other shit that happens. But do you think it's good or not? Um, I genuinely think it's it's a good tactic, yeah. Because people become so proud in what they're doing, especially when they're passionate about it. They're not going to miss a chance to perform in like the most prestigious school and the most prestigious band and you're going to do everything so yeah you you will let someone push your body and your mentality to the limits hmm. what do you think neil um i agree with what steve's saying partially but i think to be in this much fear if it was in fear of oh, okay you fucked up you can you can be chucked out because of the fact that you're you fucked up and you repeatedly fucked up but yeah to me i don't i don't think personally i'd be able to survive in this type of situation because no. I'd, find, I'd find it too much and i'd probably lash out quite quickly yeah it's really difficult because you you get if you compare it and it's completely different in a way but if you compare it to the military where they're drilling you and they're beasting you, and they're breaking you, and they're conditioning you, which is acceptable. And it's exactly the same here. He's doing the same, and but this is frowned upon. And there's no difference. I mean, he he says to one of them when he's blowing in his trumpet or whatever it is, uh, "That's not your boyfriend's dick. Don't come too early." And he, he's so he he's beasting these kids, and he's whether he's being homophobic, he's not racist at all to them. He's being homophobic, which obviously isn't acceptable. And he's trying to condition them as well. And it's behind closed doors in the best school of music in America or the world. And no one's going to say anything. 
and it's I couldn't survive in this environment. It's it's not an enjoyable. I couldn't learn in an environment that isn't enjoyable. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I completely agree. But I I have to agree. The fact that you just made the analogy to the army, you know, if you don't, if you're not good enough or you can't take it, you you walk, don't you? And that's it's about your character. I suppose we're obviously at this point in the film. It depends how you feel about it as it goes on, especially this scene and stuff like that. But initially, you know, I suppose you have to have that character to be able to survive, to be able to be the best. Yeah, and that's, I think... that, that's the whole thing, isn't it? I just don't think I could be the best and take that kind of abuse without probably doing something or saying something that would get me thrown out anyway. No, and I think... I'm not. I fucking play anything I play is play with myself. That's about it. <laughs> and I'm very good at that. I've probably got. I could get a fucking B tech in that. I know that for a fact. B tech, you'd have to go in there. <laughs> get a masters in that. Jesus. Exactly. But um, I think that when he comes around, and he's like, he knows again. For instance, he stops. Someone's out of tune, and he goes through the like the brass section. And he rips this kid a fucking asshole, puts him down in front of everyone, kicks him out, and he's not the one who's out of tune. And he's pissed off because he should have known that his instrument was out of tune and he didn't know. And it's it's kind of just picks on people when he wants. And uh, I I think if you're that confident and you're that good, you'd thrive in this. But for your mental health sake, it's not uh, a good environment to be in. And I think that's I don't know if he does this for Naaman's benefit because he's showing off to show how powerful he is or whether he's like this every lesson. We never find that out, do we? I'm guessing it is all the time because it does obviously go into it a bit later on. But I think this is just how he is. And if they're doing well, he'll be full of praise. As soon as anyone fucks up, that's it. He will absolutely rip them to pieces and make them the smallest, most insignificant piece of shit in front of everyone. Mm. But one you, one you thing that's funny I, I fucking did serve my missus for a bit until we nearly got divorced was <laughs> was when he plays uh, when the band's playing he's obviously conducting them so he doesn't like it he puts his closes his fist holds it up in the air everyone stops and when my missus was talking I kept doing that to her oh, <laughs> to tell her to stop after I saw this film because I enjoyed it so much and uh, <laughs> I probably did it about the fourth time until she told me to fuck off and never do that ever again. I bet. It was just such a good way of stop talking, shush, I hold my oh. hand up. It's just great. Hey, I'm surprised you got away with it four times, let alone fuck it now. South Africa. But it's just fun. Bit of banter. <laughs> Husband and wife bants. Yeah. There's banter and then there's looking at some sort of assault (laughs) (laughs) when I say put my hand up I want to make it clear to everyone that I was copying J.K. Simmons (laughs) and what he does I don't mean raise my hand because that is not acceptable anywhere so if you've watched this film you know what I mean before I get in any more trouble unless you're in in court then you can raise your hand as much as you want (laughs) well exactly but so he kicks this kid out just because he doesn't like him. I don't know whether it's looks because he he's not smart. He's a bit overweight. He just doesn't like him at all. 
and it's really cutthroat because you don't get anyone else in the band who sticks up for anyone. You're all for yourselves. Now this one really upsets me. We have an out-of-tune player here. Before I continue, would that player care to identify himself? Whoever it is, this is your last chance. Tell me it's not you, Elmer Fudd. Do you think you're out of tune? Yes. Then why the fuck didn't you say so? But it's interesting. Once the session's over, he pulls uh, Naaman aside and has a really friendly chat, asks about his parents and when they musicians and tells him to enjoy himself and just have fun. Why on earth does he do this? What's he trying to gain out of this, Steve? What do you think? I don't know. The way I saw it, it's, it's almost like he's grooming him to kind of stop him squealing again to get that control over him and that fear. Like he's saying, oh, yeah, don't worry about what the other guys think. Don't worry about them. Just, you know, he, he really, he's so hot and cold, isn't he? Because even Naaman's now seen, seen another side of him and then he gets out and he's all nicey, nice in Pally. So, yeah, it's, it's just another element of control, I think. Because it, he's kind of so Pally and then they go back into the room and he's the main drummer and he plays a piece of music and he wants it double time. And as you said earlier, he wants it at his tempo and the timing's out. And he beasts him so badly in front of everyone, doesn't he? Why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman? I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, five. damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Uh-huh. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference! If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Or are you going to be on my fucking time? Yeah, he really like he—it's humiliating. It doesn't start off so bad, but the further it goes on, the more humiliating it gets because he does entice him into getting a bit fruity. He says, "Show me some feels," you know. He's calling him Buddy Rich, like really wants him to big him up. And then next minute, you know, he's the complete opposite. He's, he's not happy with what he's doing. No, and he's fucking horrible and he makes him even cry on his first session and and that's what as you said neil before it makes him shout out i'm upset and he says you're a worthless friendless faggot lit piece of shit why would anyone go back to this i mean i now know why you said what you said neil that it's not an environment you can learn in this fucking isn't at all for me it isn't it's it's difficult isn't it it really is because obviously he's got this god complex hasn't it he he owns it and he feels like he can do what the fuck he wants and like steve was saying you know he people push people don't they to be the best that they can be but fuck me this is far too far isn't it To, to be this brutal to a student who's there to try and learn just chuck them out 
just say, mate, you're not good enough. See you later. You know, I gave you a try. You're shit. Fuck off. Go back to your shit class. Because that's what he thinks of all the other classes, doesn't he? He thinks yeah. that they're beneath him and they aren't worth it. But to do this is, for me, is it's unreal. Yeah, completely. It's it's fucking just not healthy for for anyone, and it's just really weird. And and it kind of cuts across. He has his first date um, with Nicole, and it goes really, really well. And they're just a lovely couple, just finding out about each other. And at this point, kind of not to give anything away towards the end, but Miles Teller is just a guy finding his own way in relationships and then it goes to a music festival like a competition they're in and again you see it's like a psychopath he's like schizophrenic you see um terence fletcher talking to someone who's got a little girl and he's just so nice he's so friendly and so approachable that it's just out of character and miles teller looks at him having that conversation and he, even he gets fooled into thinking he's you know he's probably a really nice guy deep down and you think who's he who's um i keep calling him fucking dexter fletcher in my mind (laughs) which is just a massive mistake but jk sims who's he doing this for why is he doing this i don't know he just he wants to be the nice guy outside and then inside he's just his usual maybe he's got two halves maybe you're right he's almost like he is schizophrenic bipolar he has got two personalities he's got outside of the music room and inside of the music room just i don't know it's no i've got no I idea know. steve what do you reckon mate well, it's got to be some sort of pride isn't it he's got his reputation to maintain and mm. so like you're saying he wants the best out of everyone but he doesn't want them to be good for them he wants them to be good for him to make him look better and then when he's out of it, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm such a nice guy, blah, 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 look at me. It's, yeah, he's just so, he's such a dick. Like, such a dick. He is a dick. And that's the thing, when it came to when he took him outside the classroom, wasn't it, to sort of say, yeah, relax, don't worry about it, and talk about his family. That talk about his family was just pure ammunition for me. He was finding out about his family so he could use it against him later. And basically making him chilled out so he goes in there and it's almost like a false sense of security mm. so he goes in there thinking oh, i'll be all right i'll be fine and then basically brutalizes him and he wasn't ready for it yeah and yeah. that's the thing it was almost making him you know taking away his shield if you like from what he just witnessed and making him a vulnerable sort of little animal yeah and it's he's a predator is what i call it like steve says he's groomer but he's a he's a predator this guy he is. He's fucking mental. He really is mental. And when he's um, briefing all the musicians beforehand and that guy walks in and tries to interrupt him. I will stop being so polite. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. Stage right, in order, now. <laughs> and he doesn't even make eye contact. So, And that's just what he says. And it's just absolutely incredible. And it's You think it's a competition... If you screw up, you're dead. And again, you kind of think, I've never been in this pressure situation, never been to such a top level. Is this the way people actually are? Is this the way of getting the best out of people? What do you think? I I don't know. Is it before a competition that's so high profile? I don't know. I've never never been in anything like this. I think 
you know I have, I have no idea I mean, have you ever done anything like this I know obviously you're qualified and very very good like Stu said have you ever been in any situations where you've had to perform on stage or, or part of a group or anything where you've been in this type of situation probably not nowhere near as kind of strict or as aggressive but we used to we used to have a little band that went around to the schools promoting the college oh nice so uh, you obviously didn't want to make the college look like absolute dicks so <laughs> it was it was unreal because we used to rehearse on like our lunch breaks and every movement we did on our stage and in our like set was we had choreography really like to think that a band playing rock music has choreography is ridiculous we had hmm. it just down to a t like oh, when it got to the chorus you'd have like the guitarist would take a step forward and the bassist would take a step forward and then everyone would sink back when it's a verse it was all so strange and so strict all just to make the the college look good it wasn't about us it was how the college and how the the music course appeared nothing to do with us and we were the ones that had to like rehearse over and over and over to get it as tight as possible so yeah you do it was a very it opened my eyes up to to oh, how no. it can be and kind of ruined the magic of music a bit i never realized that i, I just thought they just fucking went for it you know that's quite interesting yeah, so they have they have their the competition and halfway through when i have the break that you've got the primary drummer i can't remember his name but he's a bit of a a douchebag and he gives the the music book um to andrew to look after and andrew loses it which you kind of question because you'd never really see the whole thing you get cutaway scenes do you think he lost it on purpose because there's a lot of theories on the internet that he lost it on purpose because he wanted to get his shot knowing that the other drummer um relied on this because he didn't know the song off by heart as much as andrew does do you think he did it on purpose or not? He seems pretty ticket. happy. Fletcher yeah. took it. All re- day long. Reckon? Yeah. That's mental. Fletcher oh. took it all day long. To, no, I've never to thought about him. that. That's really good. Yeah. There's no way that in that time that he's put that down and walked away, those notes have just gone missing. He hasn't lost it himself. Andrew hasn't lost it himself. And obviously the other guy hasn't got it. He's shitting himself. And he knows, you can just tell he knows. It's definitely, Fletcher's nicked it and to ch- sort of show him a lesson. Yeah, it's a really good theory. I never thought about that. <clears throat> so, but yeah. So, but he's just lucky then that Fletch, um, that Andrew knows the music without sheet music, isn't he? Or does he know that already? He knows that. And obviously he's been told, like he says... It was yours to look after, nobody else's. Why did you give it to somebody else? And it was a punishment. It's like, you can't fucking read the music. I've given you the music. Why have you given it to somebody else? You fucked up. You yeah, need that's to brilliant. Out. That is uh, so good because he doesn't fucking flip his head at Andrew when he said they gave it to Andrew to look after. And he mm. almost kind of sticks up for him in a way and says, well, it's not his responsibility, it's yours. But that's brilliant. Genius, mate. That's just how I saw it. I could be completely wrong, mate. No, I think that's. <laughs> I think that does make a lot of sense. I honestly do. Well, there you go. When they're at the dinner table with all the family and friends, which is what I was speaking about earlier, that's when it's kind of. I suppose it's subjective with regards to what you think, but they're all talking about. One of them plays um, college football and how good that is, and it's when 
Andrew talks about he's in a studio band, and they say, like, what, a music studio, you know, make any money. And even when he tells them how prestigious um, the college is and how prestigious the band is, that they just put him down. Even his dad doesn't stick up for him in this scene, which I was really surprised about, especially the bond they had earlier. Yeah, his dad's a bit of a dick here, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I thought, I kind of felt sorry for him, to be honest. But then he sort of turned into a douche at the end as well. They're all a bit dickheads in this scene for me. Mm. What did you think, Steve? Jealous. Everyone's jealous of people who can play instruments. I have to deal with it every day. It's true. It's That's true. so true, mate. That's I'm often texting you just saying, I'm really jealous of you. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. You know, I'm often there, and people just they don't understand the B tech or the, the the power I have. That's true. I'll stop texting you, mate, because I'm sending them multiple daily. So it's almost harassment now from us, isn't it? To be honest, it kind of is, and it's embarrassing. But you know, this, this, <laughs> this, this movie is very reminiscent of my life. You know, I'm I'm successful. You know, and people just don't like it. Can we rename the uh, lead character to Steve? Because I think Steve, this is yeah. a film about Steve, isn't it? I think this is. I honestly do. I think probably if I carried on watching the credits at the end of it, they'd say that it's in dedication to uh, to Steve and his B-Tech. So. And GCSE. Yes. Oh, oh, he's adding more on now. Look, see, he's coming out of the woodwork, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so and when you think that everything's kind of settled in this film, that he gives, um, Fletcher gives Con- um, Andrew a piece of music to play and he thinks he's a principal drummer because of what happened in the competition and then he invites Connolly who's the clown who's the drummer from the last class who looks more like um, Stifler and <laughs> even Andrew's like you're fucking kidding and he even says it to Connolly's face that you're giving this guy a chance that he's absolute shit and again it's more mind games and yeah. I, I just don't understand it because even Andrew knows that Conley is no competition. He's not up to his standard. So why is he doing it? I don't understand why he does this. What is the point of Fletcher doing this? I don't know. I thought maybe it was to sort of test his resolve. He sort of overcome one hurdle. And rather than him becoming content and, you know, oh, I've won sort of thing, he's like, oh, you go. I'll give you someone else to try and battle with or what have you, or he's just being a complete cunt. I don't know. Because it, yeah, because he'll play music, and then they're both playing exactly the same, and he even says that Conley's been given more time to learn it, Mm. and that Andrew's just been given the same piece of music. And he'll play for a couple of seconds and put his fist up as he does, stop, Conley, you do it. And you can see, and it's really well done by J.K. Simmons, the pleasure he's getting out of breaking him but I mean you could look at this if you're sitting on the fence devil's advocate that this is genius because he gets Andrew uh, Naaman up to heights that he didn't know he had be it it seems like torture that he does test his resolve and get the standards that even Andrew didn't think so you could say he's genius Steve couldn't you yeah it's, it's just always having someone like chasing your ass. Mm. just pushing you pushing you pushing you constantly knowing there's someone behind you just snapping at you it's just, again it's just part of his game to make him better than to make Fletcher look better it's all it all comes back to him doesn't it of course it does mm. yeah it does but it, it does have that effect 
uh, which is a real dick move, has that effect um, on Andrew, is that when he goes to see Nicole, that he breaks up with her, and he's so rude about it that that he wants to be the best. He can't be if she's in his life because she's going to stop him from doing that. Okay, I'm going to keep pursuing what I'm pursuing. And because I'm doing that, it's going to take up more and more of my time, and I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with you. And even when I do spend time with you, I'm going to be thinking about drumming. And I'm going to be thinking about jazz music and my charts and all that, and because of that, you're going to start to resent me. And you're going to tell me to ease up on the drumming, spend more time with you because you're not feeling important. And I'm not going to be able to do that. And really, I'm just going to start to resent you for even asking me to stop drumming. And we're just going to start to hate each other. And it's going to get very, it's going to be ugly. And so for those reasons, I'd rather just, you know, break it off clean. Because I want to be great. And you're not. I want to be one of the greats. And I would stop you from doing that. Yeah. And he's yeah. so rude. It's just out of character, I think, isn't it? it? It's ridiculously severe, isn't it? The way he dumps her. Just basically, you're going to hold me back. You're not going to want to let me play as much as I need to practice more and all this stuff. He's just he's an absolute twat to her. And yeah. It just seemed completely unnecessary. But it's almost like he's taking on some of Fletcher's sort of persona. If you like, you have to be a dick to be successful. Yes. Yeah, I, I just don't know. It's so hard because at the moment, it will almost as if like a, a Star Wars analysis that the, the Emperor hasn't Hello. got changed him to the dark side yet. And I, I didn't expect him to be as horrid to Nicole at this early stage in their relationship. But the next scene you see... I suppose explains it when he plays the drums until his fingers bleed. He's playing Caravan, which is fucked up, isn't it? It's absolutely fucked. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, have you ever, obviously, have you ever played an instrument to the point where you're in pain, Steve? Just yeah. to make sure that you're good enough. Yeah, when I first started playing bass, um, which I played for this college band, um, I'd never played bass before. In, my fingers were basically just had blisters all over the tips. Oh. But I had to be good enough to, because it was, if you were in this band, you like, you kind of like the, the best in a year. Like you, you didn't, they didn't just put nobody's in there. And so you mm. didn't want to miss out on it. So yeah, I genuinely like had to play through pain and it sounds really like cliche. Oh, you had to play an instrument and it hurt. But honestly, it was <laughs> so, so like, like for someone again, who would, I went to college to do music for a bit of shits and giggles. And then the next thing you know, everything hurts. You've got blisters on your hands and you kind of just want to stay in the evenings just to get it right so you can prove that you're the right person for it. So, yeah, it, it, it does happen. So it goes to show, doesn't it, when you have a love for something and you want to prove yourself that you will. And it's, I don't know, you say it's a bit of a cliche and all, oh, it's only an instrument. But if you're passionate about something, it's like anything else, isn't it? If you are that passionate, you will do anything you can to to be the best. Yeah, so, and you know it's like you say playing the drums he's only he's he's using those sticks so fast that he's causing his hands to bleed it's just it's mad but it just goes to show how vigilant you know how much he wants it 
Yeah, I suppose runners will run until they throw up, won't they? Exactly. And that's the. And people break. will lift until they pass out, and you know, depends what sport and how yeah. passionate you are. Yeah. My son ate a whole pipe of Pringles until he threw up. That's dedication. That is. Dedication. That is amazing. That, well, yeah. It was what, great. What flavour? Uh, it's barbecue. So. Oh, blimey, that is. Yeah. Okay. Fair play. Well, yeah, he's off school and decided to. <laughs> drink like a big one and a half litre bottle of orange juice and I eat a whole pipe of Pringles oh, and uh, he said I don't feel very well I was like you'll be right uh, not really giving many fucks and then the next <laughs> thing I heard was <laughs> he just threw up everywhere at least he did it in the bathroom so fair play <laughs> it was good fun I was like dad of the year <laughs> but it, and it, it's really weird again we talk about the many sides the many faces of uh, J.K. Simmons, he talks about Sean Casey and he's very emotional. He plays a bit of lovely jazz and s- speaks about this kid who came in and he, he kind of discovered him and he was going to be a great and that he died in a car crash um, and it's like a waste of talent. A- and he get he plays the music and you see it in his eyes that he's kind of welling up. There are tears there and there is kind of genuine there, there looks to be genuine sadness and it's debatable we'll talk about this at the end with those crocodile tears or not and then he says right we're going to play caravan and bang it's almost as if it's forgotten about sean casey and he's on with the music which makes you believe was he ever really upset no you don't think he was no, again, I think it's just to sucker people in again. It's it's just, you know, oh, we feel sorry for him. Maybe that's why he's so stressed, because he lost someone in a car crash before. Well, you can get whiplash from a car crash, by the way. Um, smart. <laughs> I, see what, I see what they've done in this it's, film. It's good, yeah, well done. <laughs> I, I just think it's just uh, to to make him seem a bit more human to them. And then, yeah, they they probably feel feel for him and oh yeah no we'll we'll do it we'll do it for you mate you know it's been tough we'll do it for you that's interesting i didn't see it that way i saw it as he generally was upset however he sort of had to snap himself out of it to get back to what he needed to or how he felt like he needed to run his lesson however it clearly makes affects him in the sense that he turns into the biggest twat in the world doesn't he yes next bit yeah, it reaches new stages where he's got the three drummers um, and he's making them play this high-tempo music which just doesn't seem to ever be able to relate to any other piece of music. It's just like, play the drums as quick as you can. It's like torture. It really is. And uh, it, it, this was fascinating to watch as it was cruel for them people doing it because you wonder why they're doing it why they don't give up and it doesn't seem like music to me i don't know what you guys think it just doesn't maybe it's time to finally bring this home what do you say show me don't slow down it didn't to me but i i i I cannot play the drums or any other instrument really um so Steve, does this, did it sound, is it music, mate, or is he just, what was he doing? Uh, he's just been, a, again, he's been a dick. 
<laughs> I guess because they they come in where they where they come in on the music, it doesn't sound like it's a a, a natural start. But yeah, it's just so the tempo of it is just intense, and obviously it keeps them rotating for such a long time, and then the rest of the band are still waiting. And at no point does it actually sound like anything you anything you'd really listen to unless you oh. are into to jazz. It's, it's it's a very jazz percussion but yeah it's it's so like the speed is dis- disgusting yeah it, it is and I think this is all aimed at Andrew this isn't oh, aimed yeah. at the other two and the other two are just fucking cannon fodder being tortured yeah. and this is again to break new ground and I, I think in not that I'm sticking up for him but I think in J.K. Simmons mind he's doing him Andrew the the biggest favor in the world of yeah. helping him and that's probably why he how he justifies it to himself constantly but you see Miles Teller he's acting through this I mean a lot of the guys are fucking brilliant he's fucking crying his hands are dripping blood all over the drums and he he just cannot carry on and he's been shouted at and abused to carry on and I don't know whether someone in this position who's been at this standard, Steve, can, they're, they're, apparently Miles Teller is trying to get a B-Tech. That's what they're trying to go for. Ah. Well, yeah. This, and this, honestly, that's what... <laughs> he's not going to get it if he carries on like this. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the sweat, the blood, and the faces they're making, I didn't make any of those. <laughs> Too good, mate. That's the thing. Just honestly, it's, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's bad. And it does go fucking completely wrong because they've got a competition. The the principal drummer um, is Andrew. And he he says, do not be late. Get there really early for this competition. And his bus breaks down. And then another bus comes and then another cab doesn't come. And he's running late and he's under so much pressure. And he hires a car, bless him. And he has a massive accident. And, and it's done really well. The way that lorry hits the side of that car when he's talking to his mates, uh, the other band members, and he turns up and plays fucking covered in blood, doesn't he? Mate, this whole sequence is just amazing. The fact that he's late and he does everything he can and he arrives and he's like, you've lost the, you've lost the chair, uh, matey boy's going to take it. He's like, fuck you, no, you're not. And, you know, you can see the emotion, he's losing it. And he's like, and the, the massive argument he basically has with Fletcher, it's like, yes, you're finally standing up to him, but fucking hell, you're at risk of losing it because you're actually standing up to him for once. And you're yeah. sitting there going, fuck, is it just worth just sitting at the sidelines for this one because you, you've cocked up because you've left your drumsticks back at the car rental place? Hasn't he? Because he got there... Yeah just about on time but he'd left his drumsticks and he couldn't borrow it he wouldn't let him borrow anyone else's so he's you know but this is how passionate he was about it you're sitting there going mate just just sit it out it's, it's not your day watch, isn't it? It, it is it really is upsetting to watch this physical and emotional abuse that you're watching that he turns up as if he's been attacked by a fucking lion with blood dripping all over him and he's still playing with unknown internal or external injuries that he's got. Yeah. And is he doing it for himself? Is he doing it for Fletcher? I mean, what, what did you think, Steve? Again, another car crash, whiplash. Um... 
Okay, it's for him, like like Neil said earlier, he's turning into Fletcher now. He wants to he he's got that attitude, he's got that arrogance, and he wants to be the best, and he's not gonna let anyone else get get in on it. Um it's quite funny that Miles Tiller actually sustained injuries as a child from well, as a young lad from a car crash. So it must have been very easy for him to act. Yeah, yeah, he's got scars on his face from it. But um this is this is now the the point in the movie where Andrew's now got this got his own god complex and thinks he is worthy of everything mm. he's there banging these drums covered in blood and still thinks he he's the shit's like just the best yeah yeah it's uh, sad though isn't it because he's sort of been pushed to this point where he feels that even though he's been through all of that and it clearly just isn't his day it's all gone fucking wrong hasn't it you know yeah. and none of it's his fault really he's just tried his best to get there and he's, he still won't give it up. And it's... Yeah. But he, he attacks would, Fletcher at the end, doesn't fucking he? Fucking right he does as well. Jesus Christ. To go for all that and basically just be told, no, you're cut in front of everybody. Covered in blood. Fuck that. And it's interesting because he obviously loses the plot. And he isn't himself from the shy person at the start of this film to now he's someone, as you say... He's starting to get a god complex and he's attacking the instructor, which he would never would have done. To he's then told that um, Sean Casey actually hung himself. He suffered mm-hmm. from anxiety and depression, and his parents are attributing that um, to what Fletcher put him through at the at Schaefer when he was learning, and they want to put a lawsuit against him to get him dismissed. And that he's in two minds even about doing it, and it's his dad who pushes him for it and even now his dad doesn't seem that bothered any other parent would be standing by their kid voicing their opinions and sticking by them telling them what to do but the dad's still weak still isn't he i think he i I didn't see it like that because he turns around and goes you know you're all i care about You, you know you've got to do what's right and he's sort of pushing him to to do it isn't he to make to, to sort of put the allegation through because he's like he shouldn't be doing this and he shouldn't be doing it to you so I found this quite nice the fact that he basically turned around and said no you know I, if I knew that he was doing this to you in the first place I would have done something about it just too polite for me I don't know what you've got from it Steve uh, yeah I think he's a bit of a bit of a dribble to be fair because he didn't want to stick up for him earlier when they were around a dinner table um so I don't know why he's taken such an interest in it all now and maybe he thinks he can get something from it. I don't know. Yeah, it's just really weird. He's, I mean, being a parent, I'd be really strict with it. I'd be voicing my opinion and I'd make my son do it or just out of the way it's been through. But you'd like to think you wouldn't let it get to that stage anyway. And he is just fucking weak. Oh, he is definitely weak. There's, I'm not, I'm not getting away from that. And the fact that, that, but maybe obviously he doesn't feel like he can through the grooming, and that's why he doesn't want to sort of press charges, doesn't it? Initially, and then he sort of starts thinking about it, and he does. But his dad's obviously just not that type of person, is he? He's not that strong-willed. I, I'm going to make you do it type of thing. He's very mm. much. I'm going to let you make your own decisions. However. If I'd known that this was happening, I would have helped you. But he's he's just not a very strong father, let's put it that way, in that regard. No, 
no, I completely agree. And, and it's interesting. And when I first watched this film, and it was only about probably six months ago that I watched it uh, for the first time, that afterwards he's having a walk around and he's working in a cafe and he goes as an advert for a JVC um, jazz festival. And he goes into this bar and the music being played is, again, it's lovely music. It's nice, isn't it? And it's so relaxing. And you've got J.K. Simmons on the piano. And they he sits and listens to him. And Simmons is, appears to be a completely different character. They sit and have a beer, have a, a whiskey, whatever. And they open up. And he admits that it talks about him being dismissed, but doesn't attribute it to Andrew at this time. And I have to say, I was suckered and bought into this completely oh were you were yeah. you oh mate i didn't trust him for an instant i don't know if you heard uh i'm not a shaper anymore yeah I, I, I did hear that did you quit not exactly some parents got a kid from Sean Casey's here, I think, to say some things about me. Although why anybody would have anything other than peaches and cream to say about me is a mystery. Oh, he got he got me. I'll admit he got me. Really? Oh. Yeah, I saw it as like that kind of every every film has it, you know, that turning point where you start to resonate with the character who's always been a bit of a dick and you start to see it a bit more. So you're like, oh, okay, I understand now. So yeah, it suckered me in. Yeah. It's done so well by J.K. Simmons. It's acted so well and it's so both of them at this table, it's a great conversation. It's so believable and they you get the glimpse of Andrew when he was at the start of the film being happy and innocent and it's the first time in a long time that he smiles in this film. It's, it is lovely, isn't it? And, but it, the interesting thing I found with this is that even though Fletcher's been dismissed and he doesn't say that he's been dismissed, he just says, I've not been there. So I'm not there anymore or what have you. At no point does he say that he's in the wrong. No. At all. At all. And it just instantly I was, oh, you still can't see that what you do is way over the top. And it's just funny how he sort of justifies it as well, saying that he wants to, you know, find the next big talent and obviously tells mm. the story, doesn't he, about the other musician that nearly took his head off with a cymbal because he... Parker, yeah. Yeah, fucks something up. And he basically, he's attributing himself to trying to... that He believe, truly believes in himself that he's going to find the next best jazz musician. It's just... He's got yeah. such a fucking god complex. And... The fact that, you know, he, the fact that Andrew could ever trust him is just beyond me. It's just crazy. But I suppose in a way, he, he's in, he looks at, um, like they say earlier, that his opinion matters to you, as in when they say it to Andrew about Fletcher. And he's like, yeah, it does. So if you're in awe of someone, you're going to give them that second chance. And... I think that's what Andrew's guilty of doing that to Fletcher. That, and even I and Steve, as you said it as well, I was suckered into this. I thought, well, maybe when he's out of his class, when he hasn't got that grip over people, maybe he's a different person, and we're about to discover that. 
and that's what I thought. But you're right, Neil. The telltale sign should have been that at no point does he ever admit that he's wrong. And I suppose looking back at it now and watching it again, that that should have been to the audience. He hasn't changed. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. I struggle to trust anybody anyway. So, um, yeah, seeing him and yeah, I just you know I would hope I was wrong. But at this point in the film, I was like, when he, because he does ask the thing, doesn't he? he? Goes, oh, I'm doing this. You know, it's not Schaefer or anything, but you know, it's still a, like you say, the JVC competition. My drummer's not working out, and I'm sat there. I was on the sofa going, "Don't do it for fuck's sake! Don't do it!" And you know, he's like, "Oh, I'll give you the weekend to think about it," and all this. I was like, "Oh, mate, this is all going to blow up in your face." It's tricky because at the end of it. Because he talks about, um, is it Charles Parker, that he mm. had a symbol thrown at his head and he could have, he walked away and he was ashamed, but he came back the next day and he played even better and then he became a legend and everyone's going to remember him for that. And when they have that dinner, he's even put that seed in Andrew's mind when Andrew yeah. says, who's going to remember you for being a fucking good teacher? Or you're going to be remembered for being something great. And that's it. And that's what's important but I mean, we'll talk about that bit at the end. But I was really, really suckered into this and I believed it. And and Andrew even has the balls when he gets back to his apartment to ring Nicole oh, to fucking invite her to, to his music competition because he's agreed to help Fletcher. I mean, Jesus, the fucking thick skin he's got after the way he left that relationship. Oh, he got the ultimate kick in the balls, though, didn't he, from it? Yeah, I lost my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, burn. Absolute yeah. burn. I fucking loved it. And I'm pleased they did that in the story as yeah. well. Completely. It's like, no, mate, you were such a dick to Because at one point in the film, doesn't he, after he leaves, he thinks about texting her or phoning her and he puts his phone back in the pocket. Mm. I was like, good, don't, don't, because you don't deserve to have there in your life of how you've acted and the fact yeah, that he does phone that yeah and he's like, oh, so I have to ask my boyfriend i don't think he's into jazz music it's like <laughs> yes <laughs> fuck you mate <laughs> uh it's fucking great and so when they have their competition he's on stage and he's got his music sheet in front of him and it's got whiplash on it and uh the first thing fletcher walks up to him because you think I'm fucking stupid? What? I know it was you. And you think, oh, shit. This is not going to be good. And instead of playing Whiplash, they play another piece of music. Because this is the elite. These are the best. And this is the best way to destroy someone. And that's what he wants to do. And what did you think of this, Steve? Oh, it's just a, it's just an ultimate humiliation. It's get your own back, isn't it? I'm going to put you on stage with the best of the best, and I'm going to make you look like a dick for what you've done to me. And it's obviously Andrew. He's built up like his hero complex through that conversation he had previously. Look at him going, "Oh yeah, no, he is my hero. He is my idol." And then to be suckered into it, treated like this, and basically had his skill questioned, it's, it's just going to destroy him, isn't it? He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. And I saw it a mile off. That's why I was like, when he said, come along, I was like, don't do it, mate. He's going to fuck you. 
I never was, saw it. Never I was did, like, mate. Yeah, I just, I, he's too evil. He's too calculated, and there's no way with the power he, he held at that college or university that he wouldn't have found out who made the allegation. It was just, you know, and as soon as he was seeing being so nice, it's like, mate, this is not you. It's not who he is. And yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, I did see it coming and it wasn't a big surprise to me. But mm. And he walks over to Andrew and says, well, I guess maybe you don't have it. And Andrew looks up and you've got that audience all looking at him. And this is the Charlie Parker moment, the symbol at the head. And it's, thankfully, his dad's there and his dad can see it. And this was the one time I thought, fucking good for you. That his dad goes by the side of the stage and says, right, let's just go home. And I think it's amazing. And I didn't know what was going to happen when he turns around and walks back on that stage. Mm. And uh, Fletcher turns around to the audience and says, right, we're going to slow it down now and just uh, play something that you you probably will know. And bang, Andrew hits those drums yeah. and goes solo. And he tells the, the guy playing the oboe next to him, this is Caravan, just count in. And then the guy starts playing and it's brilliant. And this is his moment. This is what, and this is what, um, sorry, Fletcher has created, isn't it? Yeah. A monster. He's created a monster in a way. I know we're all, by this point, you're all cheering, cheering him on, but you're still like, he has created a monster. His mini me. Like the way like Fletcher walks over to him and he's just smashing a symbol in his face to kind of say, look, this is my show now. I've yeah. turned the tape on you. I love this. It's not like it's not like a massive hero moment. He is actually being the bigger dick. If this is the battle of dicks, Andrew's the bigger dick. Do you know it's there's so because I I looked on a really good forum with different people who have seen this, and there's so many ways you can look at this. You could look at it that he's now, as you rightly say, a little mini me of Fletcher. And he says, I'm going to fucking guy gouge your eyes out where Fletcher walks over to him and you smashes that symbol in his face like, fuck you. Or you could say that this is make or break, that if he wants to be a successful musician, he's got to do something out of this world. and He's got the confidence to do it. So he's doing it because this is his one shot and he's not being a mini Fletcher. It's You could look at it so many ways. Definitely. I didn't see it like that at all. And I can understand why Steve does, but I didn't. I just saw it as a, no, I'm going to fucking prove to you that I'm the best because all you've done is knocked me and knocked me and belittled me. And I gave, I, I was in a car crash to fucking perform for you. And you fucked me over. And you've now even tried to humiliate me to ruin the second time I tried to do this fuck you, I'm doing it and I'm going to do it my way. And it was just a real sort of fucking brilliant. Go on, mate. Mm. Loved it. I loved every second of it. It's amazing, isn't it? It's mm. when he carries on. And the fact that Fletcher goes from, I'm going to gouge your eyes out to encouraging him, to supporting him, to keeping his tempo up and to counting him in, like counting the other band members into his music and he's loving it. He's smiling. And you kind of think, who's winning out of this? Who's coming out the better person? Is Fletcher now good? Because this is who he created. 
they both win in the end, don't they? Because ultimately they're playing an amazing piece of music as a band and he's conducting it. So he's being seen and he's created this player. But, you know, it's the question of how he's got there in the first place, I suppose. But in essence, I guess they're both winners at this point because they've settled their differences and they're both doing what they love to do. I don't know how you saw it, Steve. Yeah, again, like the drummer is only part of the band. So Andrew's really got to perform here, hasn't he, to make himself stand out. And he certainly does that. And Fletcher can always say, well, I'm responsible for this. This is, this is my baby. I look look how he was earlier on and look how he is now. It's, and he had the one up by saying, look, he's come out, he's thought about how he's played and now he's come back better. Or can Andrew say, actually, no, I've come out in the better. Yeah, it's difficult. It's really split down the middle about who is the better person here. But then when you get the lights go down and Andrew starts going into his drum solo, he really shows that he is coming out on top. Yeah. So yeah. does that make... Because it is, and it sounds so weird, unless you sit there and, and you watch it and you invest everything into this film, of the, the brilliant film it is, this solo is the best, one of the best moments ever in film without talking. It, the message it gives is just so, so fucking clever through music. And does that make Fletcher right? as in all of the stuff that he's done of the way he treats people to find the right person to make him play out of his skin beyond any boundaries that he puts him put that person puts in front of him that does that make fletcher the hero the right person for the job not for me his methods i get i understand what he's trying to achieve and he has achieved it but his methods are way over the top for me. So he'd never be a hero or right in my mind. What about you, Steve? Uh, I, I don't know. Again, he, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because he has got Andrew to this point and he could have easily just, you know, left that other drummer as number one. And it's, yeah, I can see it from Neil's point of view where he's still, too over the top and has any other we haven't discussed has any other instrumentalist in this band had to go through the same thing like I know they get ridiculed mm. but to the way that Andrew has he's been absolutely destroyed that would have been really interesting it also it would have I think would have ruined any mystique about it that he's like that of everyone and produces people because I think it was nice knowing not for Andrew but that it was only Andrew being beasted yeah but I think it's so clever that you're left thinking, and even from Steve, who's done this, that is Fletcher a hero after all and a, a genius, or is he a lucky bully who's a complete psychopath? Well, it's interesting. I don't think anyone else in the band has gone through this form of abuse because he openly admitted himself he's never seen it, never found the next i can't remember the musician charles parker he's never found the next charles parker so i'm guessing he's sort of alluding to the fact that he potentially feels that andrew is that good that he could be the next one so he's beasting to the point where he wants to push him like he was to be that musician so i think that's how i've taken that 
So yeah, it is an interesting question, but that's how I took it. Yeah, it's um, brilliant, isn't it? It is. You know, you can't you can't not enjoy what this film does and the questions it does. But you know, in, for me personally, I don't think physically slapping someone and fucking belittling them in a sexual way, verbally, and basically making them to fucking cry and everything else and be in a car accident and everything else is justifiable to say that you've done them a favour sort of no, thing. Because no, he's I mean, basically twisted him into this this person. Yeah, Sean Casey him. hung himself because of Fletcher, so yeah. That, exactly. But that's yeah. just my opinion. Other people probably could take this type of abuse better than I could and come out the better. But No, no. So... We've reached that stage. Steve, what we'll do at the end of the film, as you know, you listened to our podcast before, is how much out of five will you give it your best bits and worst bits, and would you recommend it? I will always give Whiplash a five. Always. Um, I think it's just such an incredible film. So well done and done very well on a, on a budget. I would always recommend this to anyone, without a doubt. Good man, good man. What's your best bits, worst bits? Best bits, um, it's the the final performance for me is the best bit without a doubt. See the whole thing come full circle and and you kind of get the approval and yeah, that without a doubt is the best bit. The worst bits, um, is there any? That's hard to choose, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I can't pick a worst bit, I can't say that there is any fault in it. Good man, good man. I'd have to agree, to be honest. What about yourself, Neil? Yeah, it's five out of five, mate. This is a must-see. Everyone should see this film. Even if you aren't a musician or whatever, it is is a must-see film. And when you said about watching it and stuff, and I was like, oh, God, what's... You know, like you said, a drummer in a jazz band, you're like, how the fuck can this be a good film? Sort of thing. How is it? But it is astonishing. It... you won't find a much better film for the budget or anything. It's just fantastic. So I definitely give it a five. Everyone should watch it. There aren't any bad bits. I suppose the only bad bit or not bad, but the only bit I found was a bit predictable for me was that I knew this would, that bit in the middle where he tricked him would happen or towards the end. And there's too many best bits to talk about. Really? I suppose the culmination at the end is the best, like Steve said. I suppose the only bit I would have liked to have maybe an end credit scene or something like that to show yeah. where where he got to. Perhaps yeah. but that was that was my only potential bad bit. Uh, no, I echo everything you say. Both both of you, it's a, a five, and there's no bad bits in this film. There's no bits that I'll fast forward or I'll go out and make a drink. It, it's a really really exciting film. A very clever, interesting film. Uh, you have to sit and watch it and listen to it to just to appreciate just how good it is. And I think the performance from Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons is just out of this world. It's really, really good. And it's the first time, really, I think I've ever seen Miles Teller in anything. I, and then obviously he appeared in uh, The Amazing Top Gun. But I, I love this film. I, I tell everyone to watch it because it's just so bloody good. It really is a good film. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's um, a five for five from everyone, which is fantastic. So, yeah, Steve, how's it been? The first podcast you've been on, how you, you enjoyed it? 
I've, I've had a great time talking about myself and my qualifications and how how great I am. So it's like a normal day then. Pretty much, yeah. Just. Record- <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try and pick films that you can fit it into. So uh, I, I <laughs> we'll try and find an angle. I don't need an angle. No, that's so. Here's Shoon it in anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Well, as usual, we don't know what film we're going to be doing next week, um, but I'd be pretty confident that us three will be on the pod anyway. That's one thing I can say for sure. But have a listen to last week's discussion on uh, Marvel and streaming. As I say, it's a really good podcast to do it made a nice change from not speaking of the film just speaking about our points of view on the way tv and cinema is going um and there's about 205 other uh, film reviews that we've done so plenty for everyone anyway we'll be back next week thanks for joining us and uh, take care cheers <laughs> <laughs>